It's the Early Access Podcast, episode 14. I realized uh, we had a counting mistake. So episode 12 doesn't exist because we skipped straight to 13. So this is 14. We're just going to keep going along with it. I'm your host, DJ Nikki. Kuehler is here producing the show. This is going to be the Pokemon episode. I'm going to mainly talk about my experience with Pokemon Sword that just came out a little over a week ago. I have about 70 hours in the game. But first off, I want to knock out a couple of other topics super quickly. Battleborn was announced to uh, be sunsetting. The servers for Battleborn are going to be taken completely offline. And Battleborn was a purely online game, which I actually forgot about. So you won't be able to play the single player. You won't be able to play with friends if you were to do a LAN. And you most certainly cannot play online anymore. They're taking down the premium currency for the game early 2020, I believe. And in January 2021 the game will be completely gone. This is not something new to me. Uh, this is the second game that I have had sunsetted on me that I supported heavily during my career on Twitch, the first being Evolve. Actually, The Last of Us on PS3 got sunsetted also. Uh, they turned the servers off for that as well. So this is kind of a testament to how long I've been around and also a testament to how poorly I choose my games. The Last of Us, Evolve, and Battleborn Three, actually probably the top three main games that I played on my channel were the best for growth and were the games that I put the most hours in. So it is very sad to see that game gone. And a very unfortunate and probably a bad call in the long run that they decided to make the entire game online because I believe, I'll correct myself if I'm wrong later, that you cannot play the game like at all, period, after it goes offline. Uh, which is really a shame because the single player experience isn't as good without multiple friends and players and stuff and the multiplayer is great uh but man the single player is just totally wasted once they turn the servers off in january 2021 so recipes battleborn the art director for that game uh was fantastic i loved the complexity and making different builds on the multiplayer is very uh very in-depth you you could have different gears that you'd buy throughout the game similar to purchases you'd make in like league I didn't play very much League when I was a kid, thank God. But you would get gold or shards as they were in Battleborn. Then later on in the game, you could buy your gear to make you stronger. You'd pre-select the gear before the game. Uh, you level up your character throughout the match. So you could spec it a certain way. There's different team costumes. Super, super complex multiplayer. I loved it, but that didn't translate to the masses because uh, complexity is not always easy to swallow. Rest in peace, Battleborn. That'll be going offline in January 2021. Also, the big news of the day, uh, the big news, the VR news of last week, I forgot to mention, I skipped last week because I was literally speaking to the prime minister. I believe he's the former prime minister of Estonia. Did you know Estonia has the uh, best air quality in the world? I know a bunch of random facts about them now. Uh, and I was gone last week. It was the only early access podcast we skipped because I had to go and do a very important event. Other than the time I was in Japan, doesn't really count. We're 14 episodes in. I had to skip a day. Anyway, last week, Half-Life Alex was announced. Uh, this week, I want to talk about the big news to keep things brief. Facebook bought Beat Games, the developer studio behind Beat Saber. And I feel like, despite being a VR specialist, I am not qualified enough to speak on this. But as anyone else on the internet will, I'm going to speak on it anyway. I might not be a big fan of this. Uh, of course, I was paid off to be the Beat Saber actor in a lot of the 
commercials that you guys have been seeing on TV and YouTube. And uh, if you've been scrolling through Instagram, I found myself a couple times on that. And I, I really do like what Facebook has done for the VR platform as a whole, with the Oculus Quest being the greatest all-in-one VR headset, no PC required. Uh, the Rift S is an accessible uh, VR headset, although not one that I like very much. I, I realize that it's very cheap, very easy to set up, very simple. And I can see why they kicked out the CV1 in favor for the Rift S. Uh, and I, I do like, if we're just talking about the hardware, what Facebook has done. But Beat Saber was really built on the back of the modding community uh, back in, I believe it was May, uh, over a year ago, year and a half ago. Beat Saber launched with 10 songs. Uh, and there's four difficulties. Expert Plus didn't even exist at the time. Uh, very shortly after Beat Saber released, a modding community popped up via Beat Saber modding Discord. And now they ha uh, that Discord houses thousands, tens of thousands, maybe even hundreds of thousands at this point, questionably legal songs and Beat Saber maps. And with this move over to Facebook, that might be at risk. Uh, of course, PlayStation a uh, platform that has no Beat Saber mod support whatsoever. Uh, Beat Saber has been the number one PlayStation game, I think, every single month since it's come out. Everyone's downloading it. You can't support mods on PlayStation. There's the argument to be made that mods aren't mods going away uh, isn't the end of Beat Saber. Uh, but I would argue Beat Saber got on PlayStation in the first place because it gained so much traction because of the PC mods. Facebook did update its terms of service a little bit ago where they said that uh, putting your Oculus Quest in developer mode, which is how you load custom songs onto Beat Saber for purposes that aren't for development, for purposes uh, that violate copyright, for piracy and stuff, that is not allowed. You are not allowed to use Oculus Quest's developer mode to load basically custom maps because that's not, uh, that's not music that's been licensed to you. That's not cool. Uh, Facebook straight up updated their policies to reflect that. And so the uh, modding community might be at risk, and that is not something that I am a big fan of. Because to be honest, the Beat Saber official content is not very good. The DLC maps are not very well mapped. They don't take into account very good flow patterns at all, at least at the high end. We're talking about Expert Plus. Uh, and they're also music that I generally don't like. I absolutely hate Imagine Dragons. They're my least favorite band of all time. They're so irritating. They play them on the radio all the time. Panic at the Disco, they're really killing high hopes on the radio. I don't even commute much anymore with my new job. I work from home, and I'm really getting tired of high hopes. And I don't really like all this. Uh, of course, like the Beat Saber devs have said, not every music pack is going to be for you. But the rate at which they are putting out music packs and the type of music packs they're putting out and the lack of quality in the mapping is something that I don't like very much. So I'm very concerned with Facebook's acquisition of Beat Games uh, and for Facebook to just be, you know, taking Beat Games and adding them, this mega corporation, taking this IP to just add to their portfolio. This isn't a thing that should take anyone by surprise considering how much Facebook has pushed uh, Beat Saber ads. There's There's been a bunch of those coming out. Uh, Beat Saber on the Quest and Facebook just overall really supporting Beat Games. It's not surprising that they bought them outright, but uh, for the 
modding community for the people who enjoy the game. Uh, I'm not too sure about this because this happens with pretty much every rhythm game. We have Clone Hero with Guitar Hero. Uh, we have Step Mania for DDR and uh, a bunch of other offshoots. Uh, Osu for Osu, of course. When done. Um, what's the what's the sound Voltex one that's escaping my mind right now? That's I not... don't actually know. I never remember. I just called it Sound Voltex. There's unnamed Sound Voltex clone K shoot. There's K shoot for Sound Voltex. Yeah. Uh, there's Style Star coming out for Dance Rush. This is just something that happens with rhythm games. They get modded. People want to make songs that aren't officially included. Uh, mappers, there are mappers who are extremely skilled who are making no money. And it's a little bit sad that these mappers are making absolutely no money while Beat Games cashes out. Of course, the official mappers that have been hired by Beat Games have been making money. But the mappers who are making the content that people download and enjoy probably won't be seeing any of this profit from the acquisition uh facebook to beat game so i'm a i'm gonna keep an eye on this but i i don't know if i'm a big fan of what's going on with facebook buying beat saber of course the developers are uh, gonna be making some good money so uh, it's good to see an indie studio doing so well but other than that i can't really say anything too positive about this all right the majority of this podcast for the rest of the time i have 70 hours, uh, 70 plus, I might be nearing 80 so far on Pokemon Sword. And my expectations going into Pokemon Sword were low. And I'm going to say that they were met. And I'm not super thrilled with the game. Uh, but I don't absolutely hate it. So here's the thing. I'm going to talk about some of the good parts of the game first. The Rihan gym battle, the dragon gym leader who's at the very end of the game, was in my opinion... The best gym battle of all Pokemon's history. Pokemon, I think I think this formula is getting really stale. Uh, this gym leader uses this type of Pokemon. So what am I going to do? Let's say it's water. Well, I'm going to take a grass or electric type Pokemon, which is super effective against water. And I'm going to go around and one-shot all your Pokemon. Even if I'm at equal level, even if I'm not over-leveled. Uh, I'm going to tank all your shots because you're not going to have any good coverage. And then I'm going to just one-shot you in return. If not, move first and just take the one-shot. This formula is getting incredibly boring. Rihan is the only Pokemon main game gym leader to have circumvented this formula. He has poke he has dragon Pokemon that aren't dragon Pokemon. He leads off with a Torkoal. Uh, I think his last Pokemon is a Dragon Steel type. I'm not too familiar with the Gen 8 types yet. But that was an incredibly fun battle. Because you can't just take an ice or fairy type Pokemon. Because fairies are immune to dragon. So if he had a roster of six dragon types. I think he only had a roster of five. You just wall him with a fairy type. And that wouldn't be cool. Uh, it was double battles also. Which adds an extra layer of complexity to Pokemon battles. That aren't present in single battles. And having a trainer with various typings. You can't just take one Pokemon and sweep the whole gym. Was a lot of fun and a great change of pace. And I got to give him massive credit for that because uh, that is the first gym leader that's been designed well enough to the point where you would have to swap in multiple Pokemon. Not only have to deal with one typing or Pokemon with one typing and a subtyping. Temtem, a uh, indie game that, oh God, I wish I backed this on Kickstarter. Uh, one of their core design uh, designs with 
the game. Temtem, if you guys don't know, is heavily inspired by Pokemon. They have gym leaders and you catch Temtem in cards instead of balls. Uh, and they're taking Pokemon and making it competitive and adding a lot of great features like secret bases from Gen 3 are going to be in Temtem. It's in early access right now. I absolutely love that game. One of the things they're doing in Temtem is every single gym is dual typing. So they have a fire and grass gym. So you can't just run through that gym with water types beating fire types. They'll check you with grass types. You'll need something to check grass types. And so there's actual complexity and, and thinking and strategizing in your team uh, that you have to make before you go into those battles because they're dual typings. I absolutely love that. That's what they did with the Rehan fight. So I gave them major credit for that. The Chairman Rose fight also, the music for that was incredible. Um, the backdrop was fantastic. And the little intro uh, for Chairman Rose was fantastic. I, I like that Team Yell kind of took a back seat. It's getting very tiresome uh, to have Pokemon villains that are so unbelievably evil. Uh, of course, like opening the Ultra Wormhole in Sun and Moon. Or Team Magma and Team Aqua in Gen 3 trying to literally harness the power of uh, water and the sun. And all these uh, insane, the guys in Sinnoh trying to harness the gods of time and space. A absolutely bananas. Whereas Team Yell this time around is just like, we we really like this girl. We want her to do well. Like I, I like how Team Yell didn't play a super huge part in the story. And instead, the, the bad guy ultimately was Chairman Rose. So I like his character. Piers is also uh, a great gym leader. Uh, I love how he contrasts with all the other gym leaders. He hates Dynamax. And he, I think overall was a really funny character. I think those are my main things I really like with the game. In addition to a lot of the uh, competitive things they've added, they've added ranked play. They've added items like room service. Uh, their attention to competitive play so far, I, I, I haven't dabbled too much into it yet. Has been great. Um, EV training is a lot of, uh, I'm not going to say a lot of fun, but it's way easier. Uh, breeding is super fast. Getting the Pokemon you want is not as big of a hassle as it has been in previous generations. So you can go at competitive battle. So I like that they've catered to the competitive community. One place they did miss the mark is sometimes in competitive Pokemon, you want Pokemon with zero IVs in speed in particular. So you have a Pokemon that's as slow as possible. And you want that so you can set up Trick Room, which lets slow Pokemon move first. So you want your Pokemon to be as slow as possible. There's no way to easily get a zero IV Pokemon, whereas you can hyper train using Bottle Caps, which is an item you can grind out, to get your Pokemon to be perfect IVs, which is 30. Um, it's very hard to get an imperfect Pokemon. So that was, a, that was a massive oversight, in my opinion, for the competitive scene. All right, my complaints for the game. Uh, oh, last, last thing that's great. This was in Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee, so kind of doesn't count because it's something that's happened before and should just be a standard in the Pokemon series. But seeing Pokemon in the overworld is nice and they have the grass shaking now so you can get a random Pokemon um, or a rare Pokemon in the grass if you choose. But seeing Pokemon in the overworld is great. I love that. All right. Uh, things I'm incredibly disappointed in and there's unfortunately way too many of them. Uh, the wild area is cool. I really like the wild area. I like the open nature of it. But holy crap, is it laggy. I swear, if I'm playing online especially and I'm riding around on my bike, Pokemon popping in everywhere, trees popping in, and I swear my Switch drops down to 20, 15 frames a second. It is unbelievably poorly optimized when other games on the Switch, Smash, can run beautifully at 60 FPS. 
the game doesn't look particularly good and uh the animations are not improved uh with the exception of signature moves that come in from for example Zacian and Zamazenta they have some uh really cool animations that added to the game because they had to be made from scratch double kick looks the same it's super lame um the attacking pokemon just jumps up and down a little bit while the defending pokemon gets this foot uh animation played in front of their face the animations game freak said they're improving uh they absolutely did none of that at all there's 400 pokemon in the game which diamond pearl and platinum had more than 400 pokemon uh the amount of pokemon that they cut was far more than i expected i was thinking like 30 percent at worst uh we're talking 400 pokemon in the game when there's over 800 pokemon now uh that is i don't expect them to be maintaining the pokedex because it, it's gotten out of hand i don't expect to see every single legendary because of course it doesn't make sense that there are ultra beasts in the gala region from sun and moon uh, there there doesn't that doesn't make any sense at all but they cut such a huge portion uh, for what's seemingly no gain. Some of the backgrounds, I, I was praising the Chairman Rose fight and the power plant, how the, how beautiful that looked. The background in like the early game, when you're in this hotel, there's this beautiful statue of Zacian and Zamazenta, but it's some dude holding a sword and shield in knight's armor. You're in this hotel lobby, and you have to battle in there once in the early game and once later on in the game. And it's just a white background. There's absolutely nothing. There's a little white tile floor. And then as you look out in the distance, there's just a white nothingness. It looks like the testing grounds in a fighting game where it's just a grid in a fighting game. But in, in Pokemon, it's just it's just nothingness. Um, and they didn't even put like the nice statue in the background or design like a basic hotel lobby or absolutely anything. And you battle in there multiple times. So it wasn't like a one-off thing that you were just going to do. Uh, I absolutely hate that, that they said that they were going to improve the animations, make the game look prettier, uh, and it looks absolutely nothing like uh, Mario Odyssey or Luigi's Mansion, uh, and it runs poorly. The animations are the same. Hop has the exact same mannerisms as How from Sun and Moon. They, they do the same gestures. It's absolutely uh, unacceptable, and it feels very rushed, especially with the white blank backgrounds that they didn't put anything someone approved that someone said you know that's cool that's going in the final game uh probably had to be approved due to time constraints and uh maybe a lack of staffing because game freak was split between two projects during sword and shields development uh the another example the uh guys who dig up uh items you can give them watts they're in the wild area near the nursery when they're digging up items it just goes to a black screen and it's text there's just they just play the sound of someone digging. There's absolutely no animation there. Still no voice acting. Of course, Pokemon uh, has never really had voice acting. The characters aside from, in my opinion, Rihan Piers, the fire guy was cool too. Uh, I, I, I was, the story was just okay at best. Um, I'm not super compelled. Of course, I'm not playing Pokemon for the story. But we can when we compare Pokemon to other. JRPGs like Persona or Catherine, both Atlas titles uh, that I'm very familiar with. The cutscenes, pretty unsubstantial. Uh, the animations, unsubstantial. The, the scenery, not that great. The wild area, laggy. I don't like any of that stuff. But the main thing that I, that I really, really dislike 
with Sword and Shield. And maybe it's something that's that's just something in gaming that I dislike as a whole. Or maybe it's part of the Pokemon series. Is raiding. Raiding is so freaking boring. I actually timed on stream how long it took me to take one turn of raiding. A, a, a tier 5 raid, if I'm with 4 good players, can take 4 turns to complete. And one turn, I timed it, took 75 seconds. I'm going to pop open a calculator. I don't even need a calculator. I can do it in my head. 300 seconds. A raid, on average, if I have four other people with me, I'm watching 300 seconds of animations. That's every single Pokemon attacking. That's the Gigantamax Pokemon attacking multiple times, putting up its shields. Then there's the post-turn stuff, like, oh, this Pokemon was poisoned, so we got to take that into account. Sandstorms hit these guys. This person used their item. This Pokemon got knocked out. This Pokemon's being revived. It is no joke. One raid can have... 300 seconds of animations and all I'm doing is inputting four moves four moves which are probably the same because like I was saying earlier with the gyms if I'm doing a raid fighting a water type Pokemon I'm going to bring a grass type Pokemon and I'm just going to hit the grass move multiple times these raids don't require any level of additional strategy or coordination between you and your teammates and in a way that's a good thing because it's not going to frustrate you going online and playing with someone who's not skilled enough or not good enough or underleveled, right? It's it's good that raids are easy and accessible. In fact, I might you might be able to call me out as a hypocrite here because one of my complaints about Pokemon Go is that as a top-tier trainer in Pokemon Go, I'm level 40, I have over 40 million XP, which is twice max level. I cannot solo the hardest raids in Pokemon Go. You are required to have other people. Mathematically, it is impossible to do it. And that irritates me uh, in that raids require other people. I have the opposite complaint in Sword and Shield. Raids are so easy and boring and require such a lack of my attention. I'm on Reddit or Twitter 100% of the time while I'm doing raids. I don't want to watch the animations. Um, it's the complete opposite complaint that they're too easy. I don't think there's a middle ground, actually. I think... The solution is that raids are dumb. Unless you're playing World of Warcraft and, and you're ready to like buckle down for 12 hours uh, to get this super cool item with 30 other people. I think raids in Pokemon are unnecessary and dumb. So I, I know I know the argument uh, coming from Game, Pre Game Freak and coming from people who do enjoy raids. Raids are a way for people to get together and have fun. Uh, and, and it's mostly a way to facilitate socialization and I say fuck that because there's so many other ways you can socialize if going to a bar is not your cup of tea if talking to your you know your co-workers isn't your cup of tea there's the Pokemon trading card game or there's uh going out dancing or going out to an arcade I, I don't think every game needs socialization built into it I'm, I, of course they're monetizing it you want your friends to get the game so that you can go raid with your friends and so that you can have people to play with and work together with. Uh, but I, I, more and more on a personal level, just dislike needing other people to do things. But I also, you know, don't need people to do the hardest raids in Sword and Shield. So that that's annoying in that it's so easy, it doesn't require a challenge, and it's just grindy. Like, I, I'm complaining from both sides here. Uh, and I think ultimately what it boils down to is that raids are just boring. Uh, I, I I enjoyed it when I went out on Sunday and we had six people and everyone was scouting for raids and four people would jump into a raid, two people would give up their spot and go scout for a different raid. I enjoyed that socialization. 
but I didn't enjoy the gameplay itself uh, because it was lacking. It had absolutely no depth. And it was also I'm a, a ratio of 2 to 100, 1 to 50, of me interacting with the game to me sitting back and passively watching the game. The fun that came from me raiding with my friends on Sunday when I did that came from the fact that we had pizza and we were all talking about other things or we were all looking forward to whatever the next raid was going to be, you know, or exploiting the game to do the same raid again. Uh, I think just overall raiding is a is a dumb and boring mechanic that needs to be scrapped from Pokemon uh, because there's so many other cool things that we can bring back. All right, the last thing on... Uh, on Pokemon, shiny hunting. So, so there's there's two there's two end games. Once you complete the game, there's shiny hunting, and there's competitive. And a lot of people go into shiny hunting without going to competitive. And I already said I really like what Game Freak does with uh with competitive. I I, I like what they're doing, and I'm interested to see on in how this VGC season of Pokemon Sword and Shield is gonna uh, come out. But shiny shiny hunting, I feel it, it it's Artificial gameplay, and I'm going to say this from the standpoint of Pokemon Go and Pokemon Sword and Shield. It, do it doesn't do anything, which is great, because that means you won't have to do it if you don't want to. Um, and the fact that there is competitive battle that you can go instead is great. But I feel like shiny hunting as a justification for the end game is that that shouldn't that shouldn't be it, right? Competitive and shiny hunting shouldn't be the two end games. We need something else. The Pokemon formula needs a refresh and something for us to do in the post game. The, the campaign can be accessible and easy and, and kind of like a tutorial, honestly, to being like, this is how you beat fire Pokemon. I'd love it if they did double typings. But I want something else in Pokemon now after the game is all said and done other than filling up your Pokedex, going out and shiny hunting, and then playing competitive, which is what really holds my interest. Some people don't care about competitive, so shiny hunting is what holds their interest. I want there to be a fourth thing, and I don't know what that fourth thing is, but we're on the eighth generation of Pokemon, and catching them all, which, by the way, there's not even all of them that exist anymore, catching them all and battling, battling's great, and and shiny hunting, there, there needs to be something else whether it be competitions like back in the day or the secret bases, which is one of my favorite uh, aspects of Pokemon. I, I want something else to do in the post game rather than running around in the wide open wild area. Uh, but overall, I'm, I'm also really disappointed in the fact that previous Pokemon games costed $40 and this cost 60. And I feel like I'm getting the same amount of content I did before. Uh, overall, if I had to rate it out of 10, I'm going to give it a solid, uh, Probably a solid six. Like it's not not a complete failure, like garbage F tier game. Um, but it's not really something that I'm enjoying. Um I, I enjoy it because I've been a long fan of the Pokemon franchise since I was literally born. And it's new and it's the thing I want to play right now. And because I'm loyal to the franchise, uh, but I'm I'm not enjoying it. Because I feel like the franchise that I love so much and I've grown up with could be so much more. And that this game is not the leap into the new generation of consoles that I've wanted. Hugh, do you have any thoughts on Pokemon? Or can you drop a World War II fact so I can drink some water? I'll drop the fact. I have no concept because I don't have the game or even a Switch. Um. Alright, welcome to 
completely are you okay right now or do you want to keep going no no go give us a world war two fact fine world war one and two i guess so welcome to the impromptu sudden world war fact of the day so in 1940 after the evacuation of the british from um france churchill made this famous speech that was we shall fight on the beaches on the landing grounds on the fields we shall never surrender i skipped some lines but it's his most famous speech and one of the most famous kind of from that entire war um now this is a world war one fact so i'm gonna bring it back over so in 1918 in the middle of 1918 uh, the germans were in the midst of their spring offensive the kaiserslacht which was a major push on the front to try to break it as kind of the final German push afterwards when it didn't really succeed as much as they wanted to, a few months later they would surrender and the war would be over. But at the time, it was causing great damage to the Western Front, and so the current Prime Minister of France at the time, in 1918, Georges Clemenceau, um, on June, he did a speech on the ongoing offensive and what he wanted to say, and he said, the Germans may take Paris, but they will not prevent me from going on with the war. We will fight on the Loire, we will fight on the Garonne, we will fight even on the Pyrenees, and if at last we are driven off the Pyrenees, we will continue the war at sea, but ask for peace? Never. So, Churchill was apparently at this speech, so while it was never confirmed, the historical conjecture is that he based his most famous speech on this one from 1918. A little lesser known fact that it might have been taken almost directly in fact i have the original quote of the one that would be said in 1940 which is we shall defend our island whatever the cost may be we shall fight on the beaches we shall fight on the landing grounds we shall fight in the fields and in the streets and we shall fight in the hills and we shall never surrender almost a direct copy from that nicky you good yeah i'm good thanks killer all right the last thing i wanted to talk about was the of course, every week, every week we seem to come back with some kind of uh, bullshit Twitch news. Pay Money Wubby was banned from Twitch for, I believe, it was like something like three to five days. It wasn't the full sentence, and Twitch unbanned him. He had full permission to stream from this restaurant, and Twitch banned him for being a public nuisance, which we have seen Twitch streamers be a public nuisance. I didn't see Pay Money Wubby. Most of them the are restaurant. public nuisances, in fact. Uh, most Twitch streamers are public nuisances, but Pay Money Wubby had uh, had straight permission from the management of this restaurant to stream. Twitch banned him. They unbanned him. And this, this is what pisses me off about the story. I'm going to read you exactly what Twitch said. When they unbanned him, they sent Pay Money Wubby an email that said, Hello, Pay Money Wubby. Your account was recently suspended or blocked due to a mistake on our part. I've gone ahead and reversed this suspension of your account, so you are free to use our services once again. Apologies for any convenience, inconvenience or confusion this might have caused. Have a pleasant day. They sent this man four sentences apologizing for wrongfully banning him, which I don't even need to investigate whether or not he had permission because Twitch unbanned him seemingly because they know they were in the wrong. Absolutely no... No, no compensation for the amount of time he left. Uh, I, I think a lot of people don't understand. The amount you lose as a professional full-time Twitch streamer for being off the site for one, two, three days. Uh, that That is money you are not making, period. If you're a doctor and you're salaried and you're making 150000 a year, how much do doctors make? Is that even lowballing a doctor? However much money you make as a doctor... If you're making X amount of money and you take a day off, 
you will come back and you will still make your salary for the year. Streaming is not the case. Uh, that is not the case. In fact, when you come back, you'll be making less money than when you did when you were there because you had lost your momentum of growth, which is why, of course, it's important to diversify your content. So to to force, forcibly make this man take time off of creating content uh, on his platform and then not even issuing to, to issue such a such a like whoop sorry bro that's the that's the kind of apology i make when Kuehler's walking in front of me and i step on her shoe like oh, apologize for the inconvenience like you you really fucked up twitch and there's no there's no like hey we won't ever do this again um and this isn't this isn't the only person that they've over time either wrongfully banned or on the opposite side of things just didn't ban even though they should be banned we had that whole segment uh of like worst people i think like one or two episodes ago and all those people in my opinion especially the guy who was in japan making a lot of noise should be banned from twitch um, but this man with full permission at a restaurant streaming uh, being wrongfully banned and Twitch making absolutely no make good on this is incredibly disappointing. Now, there is a good side to this. Of course, when you're banned for such a well bullshit circumstance, to be quite frank, uh, or when you're banned for anything that becomes high profile, like, you know, one million follower streamer says the N-word. Who do you think I'm talking about specifically? It could be absolutely anyone. Whenever you get banned for something high profile... When you come back, there's always a welcome back stream and an influx of subs. And people who had heard about it who hadn't heard of you before, uh, there's some notoriety to be, to be gained from it, which is good and bad. Good in pay money Wubby's case. Bad in the case where if like someone were beating their wife and that person probably doesn't deserve. I mean, first off, they should be banned from the platform. Let's let's think of a, a lower offense. Let's say you... Uh, what what's, what's a lower Twitch offense? I was going to say throwing your cat. Uh, or or giving it vodka, um, slap no. There's slap. a large pool to choose from, isn't there? There there is a large pool of Twitch offenses to choose from, but they're all pretty horrendous. Let's let's say you were banned oh, for something on, that please. isn't quite ban worthy, uh, but is absolutely suspension worthy, and you were to come back. That's a that's a bad thing that you get that notoriety from. Hey, I was banned for seven days for kicking my dog on stream and I'm back. And then, you know, there's that influx of people talking about it and people excited to watch your stream again. That That's a bad thing in that case uh, to be giving people who are doing actually heinous things eyes. But for pay money, Wubby, who did nothing wrong uh, for him to get that influ influx of attention and for Twitch to be once again, under fire for, making just a really dumb decision. Uh, I, I think it's good in that case. Emmett Shear said at the last TwitchCon too, that well, we're going to take context into account. You know, if you trip and push someone, that's different than if you were to go up to someone and just shove them. We're going to take context into account when we ban people. Uh, clearly they're not doing that. That's full of horseshit because they didn't take into context the fact that this guy actually had permission from the restaurant. Uh, this is just a huge mistake for Twitch's part. And I'm going to continue uh, for as long as I am able to to give Twitch shit for their seemingly completely random uh, bans and suspensions and punishments that they deal on people. Anyway, that was the Early Access Podcast. 
episode 14. Next week is episode 15. I'm sorry for taking last week off. Uh, and we'll be back and counting the episodes correctly. Uh, Tuesdays, 8 p.m. PST, twitch.tv slash Del Shampoo. And you can listen to us on Spotify and iTunes after the fact. I'm your host, DJ Nikki, and we'll see you guys all next week on the Early Access Podcast.